Welcome to episode two of the Hub City Homers, and this is going to be a really special episode. We have a guest with us, a new uh, member of the Texas Tech basketball squad, Adonis Arms, has joined us today. Adonis, thank you so much for coming on. It is a real pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. Um, just blessed to be on, and uh, thank you again for letting me be on your show. Yeah, this is this is a big opportunity for us to have to get to talk about you know, a big topic that's come up, the, the transfers in college basketball are dominating the discussion. Um, to have somebody who's now a part of that is is interesting, you know, to get a perspective on. So, Adonis, for you personally, when you decided to enter the transfer portal, I mean, what was that like? How did people respond? You know, did you start getting notes from coaches immediately? Uh, yeah, when I when I first entered the transfer portal, um, I had coaches calling my phone, like, quickly, like, immediately, like you said. Um but for me, it was just based off like uh, longevity, um, what I was gonna do to like help my mom and little sister. Um, so for me, entering the transfer portal again, it was something I already was a part of before after leaving my D2 school to go to Winthrop. So I already knew what the transfer portal was and how it worked. So I just had to stay patient and uh, just listen to my family and uh, coaching staff. Yeah, so just kind of leading off that, uh... You made the jump from D2 to D1 going to Winthrop. Uh, how ready do you think you are to make that jump from now a mid-major to a major school since you've already kind of gone through that process? Uh, I think I'm ready. Um, everywhere I go, for me, I just think basketball is basketball. No matter where you go and, like, your training and, you know, how you play, it's going to just just show when the time is right and when you're ready to play. So, for me, it doesn't really matter the level of basketball, mid-major, D2, high-major. It's just basketball for me, and I'm just going to just have fun and do the best I can, really. I think one of the things that I'm always curious about is the Big 12 is is a beast of a league. It's, it's, it's a tough, tough place to play in of all leagues. I mean, here and really the Big 10 are two that get the most attention. When you were deciding where to go next, did it factor in at all that you were stepping up to the highest level of competition or were you, did that play any role at all in the decision you made? Uh, I mean, <clears throat> it made a, it made a little bit of a impact on my decision, but like I said before, um, just playing basketball for me is, is a blessing and basketball is basketball, no matter where I go. Like you just said, the big 12 is one of the best conferences in uh, the USA, which it is. Um, it's a power five conference. So, I mean, I got to give it its respect. So, uh, for me, uh, I don't really look at the Big 12 as being a huge thing um, for for me joining it. Um, if anything, it's just an extra thing. I'm blessed to have it. Um, being a part of the Big 12 is pretty cool. So you've talked a lot about, like, uh, you know, you want to get drafted in the future. Did you feel that Tech gave you the best opportunity to get drafted in the future? Yeah, that's 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 one of the reasons uh, why I went there. I went for uh, trust, opportunity, and exposure. And Tech being in the Big 12, it gives me the opportunity to have that exposure to show uh, my talents to the people that, that makes those those decisions to go to the draft and stuff like that. So I think that was a, a one of the um, impactors for me making that decision. With all the transfers, and we Tech has been in this game for a while. Uh, Chris Beard was big on this, and now Mark Adams is having to turn over his entire roster. Um, 
How how is it? What is it like coming into a, a group of guys? Now this is a bit different because most of the team did leave. But have you have you guys been able to get you know hooked up? Have you had any chance to talk to all the guys? Um, you know how how are you how are you guys going to get around to building the kind of chemistry you need to compete? Uh, I think with chemistry, it just comes with time and um, you know just just preparation, uh, being around each other all the time, building that camaraderie that. Um, you know, the brotherhood type bond that we need to, to be a great team. Uh, I talked to Kevin and uh, Clarence a couple times over the past couple of weeks, and they seem like really cool guys. And I talked to some of the other uh, new recruits um, that's, that's coming in. They're waiting for me to get to Lubbock in the next couple of days. So uh, I just think it's just going to take time and uh, trust between one another. But that trust has to be built over uh, time as well. So um, I think we'll be fine. You know, we all are going to work hard, do the best we can to win games and do all that stuff that we want to do. So I just think it's going to take time and uh, just respect from each other and um, our work, really. You know, this team has competed at the highest level for the past couple of years now. So what do you think your role on this upcoming team is going to be? Uh, I think my role is going to be whatever Coach Adams wants it to be. Um, I'm a scorer and a a facilitating guard. Um, I like to be uh, able to do everything on the court, rebound, assist, uh, play defense, um, obviously score, but I'll do anything it takes to win. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a real cool guy on the court, but I'm also very fierce, very demanding as well. So uh, whatever Coach Adams, Coach Perry wanted me to do on the court uh, for my teammates, I'll be able to do that. See, that, that we, we love – I mean, that's, that, that's the kind of attitude that's really, I think, going to endear you to Tech fans. You know, with, this is a unique place where the, the, the street dog mentality has been how Tech has made its money the last few years. And, you know, we'll, we're all looking forward to watching you um, be a part of that kind of mentality. But when looking at how you, you played at Winthrop, um, sorry, Winthrop, uh, when you consider coming to Tech, when you're looking at when you're evaluating schools and you're evaluating where to go play, what mattered more to you? Is it the, the defensive system that Tech runs, the no middle, which is, gets a lot of press, or was it uh, were you looking more at like the offensive system schools are going to run? Uh, I was looking more on the the offensive side uh, because I'm a, a guy that likes to get up and down and and, uh, and run and be in transition and get fast breaks and do drag screens and stuff like that. But um, defensively. Uh, knowing that Coach Adams is a, a defensive mastermind that, you know, my defensive abilities already will just complement his, uh, like his work ethic and, and his knowledge on defense. So for me, it was basically, it was based off offense, just like how am I going to score and how am I going to get my uh, teammates involved and stuff like that. Like I said before, running the floor and fast break opportunities, drag screens, lobs, all that good stuff. Um, so that's, that's the majority of what I was looking at the offensive end, but, um, Defense is obviously one of the major things of basketball. You got to be able to stop people to win games. So um, defense was also one of the things I was looking at, but uh, majority of it was offense. So when you were looking offensively, did did the fact that Tech brought in a coach like Coach Perry really impact your final decision with how he wants to play basketball? I mean, his teams were some of the fastest paced in the country when he was at Portland State. Did that kind of help seal the deal for Tech? Uh, yeah, it did because Coach – Coach Perry was actually recruiting me um, before I went to Winthrop. Uh, he was the head coach at Portland State, like you just said. And 
he actually did a home visit before COVID was a thing. Um, and he came and he was talking to me, my mom, and he was recruiting me really, really hard, calling me every day. Like he does now, he texts me every morning, which is still cool. Um, so I think him being on staff really brought comfort to not only myself, but my coach, uh, Coach Mike Contreras, uh, Brad Claypool, and my mom and little sister. So um, I think that was a big thing for us, knowing that he'll be there. So Tech seems like they're bringing in like a lot of guys that have a very similar build to you, like Davion Warren, Sadar Calhoun, all those guys. Have you like gotten in contact with the new transfers that also are coming in, you know, like just get more acquainted with them? Uh, yeah, I've talked to uh, Davion Warren. Um, the other guy, I really don't want to mess up his name. I don't know how to pronounce it, but he followed me on Instagram and stuff, but I haven't really talked to him that much. Uh, he seems like a cool dude, though. He seems like he's really good at basketball. Florida State It's a pretty good school. So, um, yeah, I mean – they should seem cool. I, I mean, like I said before, I talked to Davion Warren. Uh, he's a cool dude. He was in the Big South, went to Hampton, so I know him quite a bit. Um, but I never actually get to play against him because of COVID and all that stuff. So, uh, like I said, man, I'll see them soon. We'll be in the gym. We're going to be cool, um, and everything's going to be all right. With, you know, the, the, the Big 12, there are certain games that mean more every year. Um, it kind of – it changes all over the place. You know, a few years ago, Kansas state was at the top. Now that really, they've really fallen off. But for you personally, for tech fans, obviously the big one this year is Chris Beard in in Texas. But for you personally, is there a team or venue you're most looking forward to playing, you know, in? Um, Honestly, no, I think the whole, the whole big 12 is something that I'm just ready for, uh, ready to play in and uh, be a part of. Honestly, thinking about teams like you said like Kansas State like Kansas you got Texas Oklahoma Oklahoma State I mean those are big time teams so every one of those uh, games is something that I'm looking forward to playing against like um, there's not really one that I'm really like looking forward to um, but all of them really I'm just ready to play and show everybody what I can do against those top uh, those top teams in the country yeah so those top teams like everyone knows Baylor, Kansas, it's going to be probably a fight just about every night in the Big 12. And with Baylor coming off a national championship, it's kind of just expected in the Big 12 at this point to have a top team up there. You guys think you think you guys will be competing for a national championship level this year? I think we have the opportunity to. Uh, we keep our, our head up and we just stay focused, uh, limit the distractions. Um, keep God first and we'll be straight. I feel like uh, basketball is a game of, you know, uh, momentum shifts and, uh, and emotion. So uh, for us, uh, being a team in the Big 12, I think we're, we're going to be really good, but we just got to put the work where our, our words are and um, just stay together, like I said before, and trust each other and just do the best we can, work hard, and everything else will play out for itself. So you mentioned you're not in Lubbock yet, but you will be very, very soon. With that being said, the Womble Center just opened. Have you had any opportunity to see it? Have the coaches showed it off some? Or is it going to oh, be when you get there first peak? No, nah, no. Nah, they, they've been showing me sneak peeks ever since they could walk in the building. So uh, I'm, ready, I'm ready to see that for sure. All the, the big screen that's in there now, uh, I'm ready to see that. The court, obviously, itself, I'm ready to just 
dunk on one of the rims and shoot a three and just hear the the swish sound. So um, <laughs> I'm just I'm just ready to be there, man. I'll be there soon, like I said before. But yeah, I've seen the I've seen the center. It's very very nice. Uh, no complaints at all. It's very nice, but I want to see it in person. So you said that uh, Coach Peary was recruiting you before your time at Winthrop. Was he like the biggest factor to you coming to Tech, or was it just a combination of both him, Coach Adams getting in contact with you, all that stuff? Yeah, I think it was a combination. Um, Coach Peary, obviously, he he had some weight on that uh, because he recruited me to go to his school before I decided to go to Winthrop, but I think – it was a combination of Coach Adams, Coach Perry, like telling me that they believe in me and my talents and they believe in the, the player that I can be and not only the player, but the person that I am. Um, so for that, to, for me to hear that was great. Um, also, like I said, in previous interviews, like Coach Adams, um, just making my mom and little sister smile and laugh and have a good time over Zoom calls. I haven't really seen that with other coaches. So for that side, for me to see that side of them was, was pretty dope as well. So. Um, I think it was a combination of both. So you, you, your mom and your sister are obviously very important in your life. How often do you think you're going to be able to get them down to games? We, I, The Tech family would love to show them a good time. I mean, depending on their work schedules and stuff like that, I want them down every single day. But, you know, uh, that, that just – it won't be able to happen, won't be able to work. But uh, I think they'll be down there quite a bit. It's not that far from Arizona, so – uh, I think they'll be there more times than not. Uh, tech fans will really see uh, my mom and sister, and they'll love them for sure. You know, being from the state of Arizona, this upcoming year we're supposed to have a game against Gonzaga and Phoenix. Is that going to be a game circled on your schedule since you're going to be playing in your home state? Uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be circled uh, big time. That's a big-time team, big-time game, and it's in Arizona. All my friends and my mom and sister will be there. So that that game might be circled, squared, starred, checked, all types <laughs> of things, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's – besides the fact that it's Gonzaga, that's got to be – you know, that's that, that's the next level. You're getting the runner-up national title. They, they brought in – I think what the kid is the number one rated recruit, and it's in your yeah. home state. I mean, how – you've been in big games before. You played – major division one teams and big moments. How do you mentally get ready for a game with that much going on? I mean, you really just can't think about it. Honestly, it's just, it's going to happen. So you just got to stay poised. You just got to, you know, don't think it, don't try to think about it as much because it's going to be everywhere. It's going to be all over social media and stuff like that. So you just got to just listen to what the coaches say, listen to your preparation, um, just stay focused in the moment, have fun in the moment. And, you know, just do the best you can when you get on the floor. Uh, I think when you start thinking about the game too much, you just start making simple mistakes and mental mistakes and lapses and stuff like that. And the game can get away from you. So for myself, when I go into big games, I just woosah, you know, just relax, stay calm, uh, have fun and smile. And I have good games that way. So I think that's the best way to prepare for those. So your stats at Winthrop are, you know, pretty misleading because they they had a lot of uh, movement in and out all yeah. the time. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, 
when you were playing D2, I saw you average around 20 points a game. So do you think that, you know, with more minutes and more opportunity that you're really going to be able to show everyone just like exactly what you can do out there? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, 100%. I'm going to just keep it right there. Yeah. More opportunity will produce more of Adonis show, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, I'll keep it there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we that was one of the things when you when you signed that people had to understand is that you you were in a bit of a unique rotation. Yeah. But one of the things yeah. that I think comes across, even just watching, even in your you you're probably admittedly limited minutes due to that rotation, is just how hard you play all the time. So one of the things yeah. that I'm curious about is, you know, the no middle defense is a grind. It's tough. It's really tough to play in. It, it demands a lot. You know, with that, are, do you think that, you know, your experiences at D2 and D uh, at Winthrop have prepared you to grind a bit more in this system? Uh, I don't think the system changes my mindset on grinding. Um, I just think the hard work and preparation I put into the game every single day is just going to carry over. And I will have more opportunities to do that with, uh, with the facilities that we named earlier. So um, the, the goal stays the same. The, the grind stays the same. The, the hard work stays the same. Nothing changes. I mean, you just you got a different name, a different color, a different state. That's uh, all changing. So for me, uh, being at Winthrop, you know, you said the limited rotations and uh, the in and out substitutions was different for me, but I had to adjust. So, um, you know, the hard work and the the you know the Adonis from D two didn't go anywhere. He's still there. He just needs the opportunity um, to show that. So uh, hard work, dedication, uh, film sessions, all that stuff is still the same. And you know, just kind of leading off that, looking back at Winthrop's schedule, you got you had some of your best games against the toughest competition. So just do you, you said earlier that you don't really like think of any game differently. But do you get yourself like kind of more pumped up for those types of games, like the NCAA tournament game against Villanova, where even though you might not have gotten a ton of minutes, you were still able to make a huge impact out there on the court? Oh, yeah, yeah. With big games, I definitely get hyped up more and I get more excited about those games. Like I said prior, I still got to stay focused and, you know, be locked in at the same time. But I still have that smile on my face. I'm still talking to my teammates, having a good time because, you know, it's a it's a moment in your life where you just realize like okay we're about to play Villanova bro like let's go out here do the best you can and and whatever else happens happens so for me only playing 17 minutes and getting the average of 10 points it only leads to more questions like what would he have done if he got more minutes and I know the answer to those questions but you can't really answer those without the <laughs> the minutes to to back you up so um, you know it's like big games I play better in big games so for me. Uh, playing against great players, playing with great players, it's just fun, man. It's just nothing like it. You can't really explain it. You can't draw it out, nothing like that. But um, with bigger games, you'll see a bigger smile on my face and a bigger performance. So I'm going to just try the best I can every single time. And we, I think the team first attitude, you know, you did – you took less minutes at Winthrop because of how they wanted to play basketball. And it wasn't about ability. It was just what the staff wanted. And you took that stride and made the absolute most of it. But looking at your individual game, I got to ask, if you can pick your favorite playing basketball, it would it be, you know, the, the, the setback three with a little bit of a separation. You just, you just put it in right in some of the place or is it the break you were done? Uh, 
I think it got to be a, a breakaway dunk because that's like you can show off a little bit after that. You can little you can do a little flex. You know what I'm saying? Because the ball gonna come out the rim, bounce a couple times. The defense gonna have to grab it, so you got a little time to flex a little bit for the camera. So I'm gonna go for the uh, the dunk. The step back three is tough though, because that's right in his grill. You get a swish. Hopefully, I mean you got the crowd with you, but I will take the dunk for sure. The dunk is just a powerful emotion. Yeah, yeah it's a, a momentum shifter for sure. The the, the old fashioned poster is how you, how you, how you're looking to go. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't go wrong with no poster now. Oh my goodness! Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh! And you know the tech fans would love that. That place explodes when something like that happens. So, you know, is the is the change in atmosphere at all going to impact anything for you? Are you going to be able to, you know, after probably going to be more plays where you're able to celebrate like that? Is it just going to be more fun playing in that type of atmosphere? Yeah, it's just going to be more fun, man. It's just going to be more fun for both sides. I mean, like, uh, I wish basketball was a game where you could just steal the ball every time and just go dunk it every single time. But it's just not like that. So I think the the crowd and the fans coming back and like that, it's just noise and the shaking and all that. Like, bro, I'm just ready to play, honestly. I'm just ready to get out there, dunk the ball, shoot threes, throw dimes, watch my teammates get excited, all type of stuff, man. Hear the crowd go crazy. So that's what I'm ready for. And we, we, I, I could not emphasize to you how much we are looking forward to watching. I mean, this is basketball off season is awful because you just sit there and you just think about what's <laughs> coming. You get, you get like your yeah. adrenaline going, but there's nowhere to go with it. And, yeah, <laughs> true, true. I mean, you got to do it all it, on 2K. <laughs> oh, man, I wish I was better at 2K. I just get destroyed by little kids. It's awful. <laughs> That's tough, man. So that was Adonis Arms. We talked about this, but we were so excited to see it. I, I personally am blown away by his attitude. Um, he, he impressed me immensely. He seems like a really good guy. I'm really looking forward to seeing him play. Um, I think he's going to shake it up. I think he's going to be a lot better than we even think. Um, but we are going to now look at the whole picture. Now that we've talked to a transfer, let's talk about the whole picture. So, Kendall, you know, we're looking at this roster as a whole. If you're Mark Adams... How are you feeling with the team you've assembled? You know, you have to be fairly confident with this team. It's just there's probably going to be a lot of questions because there's only two guys, really, that you can look at and say, like, you know exactly what you're going to get from him, and that's Kevin McCuller. And it's a stretch to even say Marcus Santos Silva because, you know, he didn't necessarily fit well in the last offensive system. So we could be getting a whole new guy with that, too. But there's a lot of new good faces coming in, and there's a lot of talent coming in. But it's just almost a matter of you have so much talent, how can you get everyone involved? So I think there's a lot to look forward to with this new team. But, you know, there's only like one certain, in my opinion, and that's Kevin McCuller. And I think he's going to be the guy that leads this team. Yeah, I mean, I think that it is going to be Kevin's squad. And it may not necessarily mean that he's the leading scorer. I just mean that, like, you were during that national title run, Odiase, his biggest impact on the team was being the leader. I mean, there's no doubt on that squad it was his team. Um, you know, Jarrett Culver was the best player, but it was Odiase who ran the show. 
And he didn't necessarily do it by stuff in the stat sheet. Now, Kevin has the potential. Kevin has the potential to do incredible things. If his jump shot continues to get better, there are very, very few limits to what he can do. I know ESPN loves to talk about the fact that he's a glue guy. They like that. They like that little edge. You know, glue guys go get paid in the NBA. That whole story that uh, Fran Franchilla tells all the time. But the reality is, is Kevin is on superstardom level. And the guy, and I think the, the cast around him is going to help. I think he doesn't necessarily have to be uh, a dribble drive kind of guy. He can find a spot. He's obviously a great defender. But the guy I'm personally most excited to watch play, besides uh, Adonis and Calhoun, those two guys are obviously two we really look forward to. Uh, you know, we love those kind of guards. The guy I'm most excited to see is KJ Allen. Um, just because I don't know what his game's going to look like in the Big 12. He's incredibly explosive. His shot's better than some think. He's a strong defender. And we're pairing him with Marco Santos Silva. So it's a really odd dynamic to have two very similar forwards like that. And I just, I'm just i really looking forward to watching that interplay. But that does bring up a question. We did get a big, finally committed. The, he was the top-rated Euro prospect. But are you at all concerned with the the build of the team being on the smaller side? Uh, I see, I think a lot of people have been, you know, stressing that the past couple years that we need a big, but, you know, looking back at last year's Baylor squad and I think they really thrived actually when the flow Thamba was off the court and it was almost like Mark Vidal was almost their five. And, you know, I think if we have, I think in the past we haven't had enough length, like a good mixture almost. But now we're not necessarily bringing in a lot of bigs, but we're bringing in a lot of like, you know, those six five, six six guard forwards type guys that can play almost any position. And I think that we're going to have a lot more versatility than we have in these last two years. And I think that, you know, talking about KJ Allen, he's small, but he is like phenomenal. He's got phenomenal athleticism. And, you know, you can have a 6'10", 6'11", 7-foot guy, but – you know, if you have a six 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 seven six eight guy with a forty inch vertical, he's going to be just as effective down low. And I think that that's honestly what we've been missing is that type of athleticism recently. Because we've had Terrence Shannon Jr., but he obviously can't do everything by himself as far as you know with the athleticism. So I think a lot of the guys we're bringing in are going to be really good for what Mark Adams wants to do. Yeah, and I mean, I think. What, what is an underrated aspect of what allowed Chris Beard to build this team into what it was in 2018, which got the ball rolling with that Elite Eight run, was the fact that Zaire Smith as a shooting guard was freakishly good at blocking shots. I mean, he was freakishly good at it. He, one of the most athletic people I've ever gotten to watch. So when you bring in people like K.J. Allen and all these six seven guards like Adonis, Sadar, um, Davion Warren, um, these guys are going to be lengthy, explosive, and very, very hard to drive on, which in the Big 12, you know, it's becoming more of the, you know, it's just how modern basketball is going. The dribble drive is becoming more and more critical to your ability to succeed because the defenses are getting better. So you have to be able to get penetration to force them to rotate. It's getting harder and harder to just throw the ball around the arc and find a hole. You know, people are too good at switching. They're too strong. You have to be able to take somebody one-on-one in order to get a little bit of separation. I think Tech has done a good job building a roster to try to prevent that. But the thing that does jump out at me of everything else with this is you get the sense that this is a little bit of a, of a, a, a dismissal 
uh, of sorts of traditional basketball thinking. You know, I mean, there is this sense that most teams try to build a strong backcourt and a strong front court, and they don't necessarily, they try to fit guys into roles. You know, you have a shooting guard, you have a point guard, you have a forward, a center. And Tech is all in on the concept of the, the one through five. But with that being said, we did bring in, like I mentioned, the top-rated Euro prospect, and I'm going to botch his name, so I apologize, but I think it's pronounced Daniel Bacho. So if that's wrong, I'm sorry to everyone in France, including Clarence Nandoni, who has to deal with my terrible pronunciation. But he is a traditional center. So we've seen these guys come to Tech in the past, and it hasn't worked out necessarily that well for him. Do you think Daniel has an opportunity with this squad and this makeup to actually be a factor as a true 6'11 big? Yes, because I think generally looking back at the past couple of years, you know, we had big Russ and he wasn't, he was a big body, but he just seemed kind of like out of sorts sometimes when he was out there on the court. And I think he just needed a lot of development. And then, you know, this last year we really, we struggled because I mean, we had bigs, but you know, then again, they also weren't necessarily the most talented bigs. It was guys that needed to be like more rounded and need to kind of develop. But I think with uh, Daniel Bacho, he uh, he's going to be a guy that he was rated in the top 120 and he was playing overseas, you know, against kind of more grown guys. So I think that he's already kind of developed to a point where he can already get playing time and he's just going to get better, you know, as he keeps going on. And I think that he's a guy that will definitely continue to grow, especially one to two years with, you know, coach Adams too. I think that not only will he grow defensively, but I think that his offensive game is definitely going to expand. So and I have a, actually have a question for you. And it's a guy that not too many people are talking about is what do you think of uh, Chandler Jacobs? He's uh, he's coming in under the radar. And I think he actually has the potential to possibly even be, you know, the guy that facilitates our whole offense. And I'm just curious for someone else's thoughts on that. I don't know if he can be your top guy, but here's the thing about that. And I, and I was going to get to this. I'm glad you bring it up is one of the things tech has lacked besides a big that has hurt them is three point shooting. When Davide left, there was a huge, huge hole. So there's another kid, Parker Duncan, who is a, you're probably not going to see a lot of him, but you may see a little, who's a incredible three point shooter. But the guy that you're really counting on to take a lot of shots because Sadar Calhoun is, is one dude that you're, you're hoping is a three point shooter. He's going to get a lot of minutes. He's going to get all the press. But Chandler Jacobs has a crazy high three-point shooting percentage. And, you know, he is going to get quality minutes. I think he is going to surprise people. Calhoun's going to get the hype. You know, he's got everything going for him. I think he could be a superstar. There are a lot of guys on this team who could really take off. But Chandler Jacobs is a guy that, under the radar, is going to fill a role that Davide kind of did in his freshman year. You know, he might not necessarily be a focal point of the offense. He might not necessarily get, you know, all the love, but when you need a three and you need it in a big way, I think he's going to bury it. I mean, I think he is a, the kind of guy who comes in and he's going to give, he's going to play hard. He's a great player, but I think what he's really going to be good at is teams are going to face tech now with multiple three point threats and they're going to be focused on Calhoun. 
they're going to be focused on Kevin McCuller. And then there's going to be Chandler Jacobs posting up in the corner and just draining threes in people's face. So whereas I don't know if he's going to end up running the entire offense, I don't know how much of a distributor he's going to end up being. But I think one of the reasons he is at Tech is because he's got range for days, and that was important for Mark Adams. If you're going to play lengthy, you're going to play small and lengthy. Guys like Chandler Jacobs are who make that possible because they spread the floor. And I think he's an underrated prospect just because there wasn't – I think he came in as the roster started getting built. Now there's been so many new transfers, he's kind of fallen by the wayside. But he, by all accounts, can play and most importantly can shoot the damn lever, leather off the ball. So I really, I'm looking forward to watching a true three-point threat, and I think he's going to be one of the guys who gives it to you. And, you know, another thing about him is, see, I I was the biggest Italian stallion guy. Uh, he That was probably one of my favorite tech players of all time. But one thing that Jacobs brings that he didn't, he is an elite defender. You know, he won the Lone Star Conference Defensive Player of the Year. Like, he is no slouch on that end. And I really can't look at a guy on our roster and say, like, this guy can't defend because, shoot, look at half the transfers that have been brought in. And they're all averaging almost two or more than two steals a game. Like, this team is going to get after you defensively. And it just makes me even more excited for the whole season because it's just like, where, what's their ceiling? I don't think really anyone knows because if you're playing elite defense game in, game out, and you actually have these shooters to keep you in games, like, I can't see a game that we're not in. Like, I think our defense will keep us in almost every game. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, this, it's hard to want to say what you know the ceiling for this team is and what the floor is because we don't know how the end of the roster is. You know, obviously it's a lot different as Terrence Shannon comes back. It would have been different if Mac had come back. But if you get say Terrence Shannon goes to the NBA, which I think is likely at this point, I believe you have two roster spots open and we don't know who's going to fill them. But what I can say for certain and what gets me excited is this is the first year in the last actually under Chris Beard where I think you will be truly. Sorry, I muted myself being a moron. Um, last year's defense struggled a little because Mac wasn't necessarily the best on-ball defender, and he wasn't good off-ball at all. But um, this year, you're going to be elite. I think you get back to 2019. Um, you get back to being a top four or five defense. But what you're pairing that with is an offensive system that doesn't suck and blow. Because, look, I don't want to be the guy who disparages Chris Beard as a coach because he's gone now. He was a phenomenal coach, and he made the motion system work. But I don't think there's a lot of debate that it's not great. I don't think it's a good system in modern basketball. I think it leads to the ball getting stuck. And we saw that this year when guys like Mack or Terrence couldn't take people to the hole, you struggled. So now we're wide open, and Adonis talked about this, but we're going to be a wide open system. It's probably not going to be Portland State fast because that was gimmicky. Um, he, he ran that because of the level of play he was in. He needed to he needed a, something to make his team different, give him an advantage. But you will see a lot more, I think, emphasis on moving fast. I think you'll see a lot more plays drawing up and less reliance on just guys making something happen. I think this system's going to emphasize speed. I think it's going to emphasize space. And I think you're going to see, as a result, your offense is going to uptick. And you're going to go from averaging in the 60, high 60s to the mid-70s. And that paired of an elite defense has me really pumped. I mean, it's it's exciting. You know, we're, we're, we could be do, looking at the start of something special. And, you know, we'll see how it pays out, but I'm, I'm excited. So, Kendall, the, the question that comes to mind when you talk about this is you look at this roster right now. Like I said, it's not finished. But you look at this roster right now, and you had to guess 
this is way too early and it's clickbaity as hell to ask this, but I'm going to anyway, so sue me. Where do you think this team falls in the hierarchy of the Big 12? So I Baylor has their top recruiting class ever coming in, so you have to assume that they're probably going to start at the top again. Kansas has gotten in some great recruits in there too. So I think those two right now are pretty cemented at the top to start the season. But after that, you know, I think we fall in there with us and Texas and, you know, I think there's like a second tier. West Virginia's in there too. I think we can definitely be, you know, in a similar position we were to last year, but I think that we can possibly with, you know, the elite defense and some good offense, I think that we could possibly get over that hump that we struggled. You know, we got swept by some of the top teams. I think, you know, outside of Oklahoma and Texas, but getting swept by Kansas and West Virginia and Baylor, that was what killed that last year's team in the Big 12 standings. I think if we're in a position where we can get at least one of those games against all of those teams, I think that we're looking anywhere from, you know, I'm not going to say top two, but I think we can definitely finish anywhere from the three to five range with how much talent we have on this roster. I think this then begs a second question, and I I don't necessarily want to talk I don't want to spend every basketball talk, uh, pod talking about Chris Beard, but it is fair since it just happened. You're comparing two teams that had to totally turn over your rosters. Right now, if you had to say, heads up, who has done a better job of building their roster? And understandably, this podcast is built around Texas Tech homers, but I, I got to know where you think right now. You take the two squads. Who is you taking? You taking Texas, or are you taking what Mark Adams has built? See, Texas... The thing, the issue I have with like, you know, the way Beard took, he took the same strategy he kind of did when he was at Tech, you know, he got like some undersized bigs in Christian Bishop and he got some big name transfers, but you know, they still haven't really filled out their roster. Like they have a lot of question marks, especially down low, like, you know, Greg Brown left, Jericho Sims left and Kai Jones left. So now you're sitting with what's your tallest guy at like six, seven and you know, every team's at least going to be able to, you know, give you some struggles. And I don't think that he's brought in those other athletic guys that are able to, you know, be an elite defensive team. He brought in some big name recruits, but I don't think that right away they're going to be like perfect. You know, they're not going to be like he brought in Kentucky's Devin Askew and he had a lot of issues at Kentucky especially defensively. So I think right off the bat, we have a pretty big edge defensively. And I think that would get right away would give us the edge over that Texas team. Cause you know, Chris Beard is a phenomenal coach and you know, we're never, I'm not going to be one to talk bad on, you know, how good he is at his job. Like everyone knows everyone from Lubbock, even if they don't necessarily want to say it, like he's great at what he does, but I just think that the way that Texas Tech went to the transfer portal and, you know, the route that they took was better than the route that Beard took right away. And I think that's what gives Texas Tech the advantage because of how much, you know, veteran players that we are going to have and, you know, just the athleticism, the defensive mentality. I think that that's what's going to give us an edge over that Texas team. Yeah, and like I said, there's no bias here. And I'm, I'm kidding. There's obviously a ton of bias. We I didn't want this to be 
the most objective podcast. But that was, I think, a well-reasoned defense of this. I mean, look, you're gonna, it's going to sound like sour grapes anytime we talk about this. But I do think that the problems at Texas run deeper than the coaching staff. There's a reason Rick Barnes probably couldn't get it done towards the end of his career and couldn't get it done with guys like Kevin Durant, who was maybe the best college basketball player of all time. I mean, there, there are problems in that program that go well beyond your ability to coach. And the other thing is, I as much as I love, loved, I can't say I do anymore, but I will respect how Chris Beard coaches still. I don't think you can do what you did at Tech at Texas. You can't coach those kids the same way. You know, what was these are superstar level players coming into Texas. It's hard to get them to mix. And while I want, that, call it wishful thinking, but I think it blows up this season. I think Chris Beard really struggles in year one, and I think he'll get it together. He's a phenomenal coach. He'll build a good program there, but it's going to take more than a year to flip the culture of what is a really toxic environment in Austin. Now, we are going to be talking about baseball with Jack Bell. He's been waiting around in the wings for this. Um, you'll really like talking to him. So the topic of the discussion is essentially just to prime us for – the postseason in general. So, Jack, the question of the day, can Tech still earn a Super Regional in Bricktown, or is that loss from Kansas kind of the the, the nail in the coffin for our hopes to be a top-eight seed? So I'm thinking that after that first game uh, loss, there is still a path for Tech to host a Super Regional. And the only thing that I am seeing here. I'm reading around the country and reading uh, some of the, like the D1 baseball threads and uh, you know on stuff like that. The general consensus is that Tech will need to win two games at least in Bricktown. A third would not hurt. So uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe three wins get you into the semifinals of that tournament, and two get you into the quarters. So at this point in time, that's what I'm looking at. Uh, that's what needs to be done uh, from my point of view. Uh, going through this series, uh, the game Friday was very, very unfortunate that it ended that way. Should have honestly won that game. Uh, Saturday was a lot better, jumped all over them. And uh, Sunday was just ended about 20 minutes ago win five nothing my main concern for this team right now is winning that first game if tech can't learn how to win game ones i do not know how far this team can get the potential is huge the upside is huge but if that first game is not won it really limits their overall ceiling in my opinion yeah, and I mean, I think part of that is because of pitching injuries that we discussed in our first episode, and we talked a lot about this. Now, don't Chase Hampton was great today. Um, he was he he was really really good. So maybe you have another guy to come in and fill as a starting role. But there are questions of whether or not you can get through three games. So for those unfamiliar in the baseball regional and super regional, you can win out in two, but you have to win the first game. If not, you have to go through. And the regional, the losers bracket, and the super, it's a best of three series. But Tech can ice teams if they're starting two pitchers, which I'm just assuming are going to remain Monteverdi than Dallas. If those two guys can get Tech through the first two games, Tech's lineup is strong enough. You'll be at home in front of a packed crowd. It'll be okay. But if, yeah, if you drop game one, which 
for some reason we are in the mode of doing, you're you're in a bit of a spot. It, it will get tough to get through three games, and then if you get through the regional, you are going to turn around to the super, and hopefully everybody's rested. But you're going to be starting to wear on them. I mean, the baseball postseason's a grind, and it it behooves you to make sure you win as many of these regional games or get out of these regionals as quickly as possible, I should say, so that you can get out of the super as quickly as possible. But yeah, the, the game one losses are getting old. It's it's almost frustrating to to know every time, all right, Friday night we're screwed. It, it, it just feels like a curse. Yeah, it's getting to that point. And uh, one of the things that I am interested about today, they pitched Chase Hand, who, like you said, was amazing today. He had, in my opinion, one of his best outings of the year, if not his best outing. My thought is with sitting Montgomery today, my first thought and instinct is that Tadlock is going to start Montgomery in game one in Bricktown, depending on who we play. And I'm not sure as we're recording this at, you know, two o'clock on a Saturday, I'm not sure if those brackets are set yet. I know that TCU and Texas, I believe, still have to play this evening. I think those games are in progress right now, but I'm not sure at who Tech is even going to play. It, it could be Oklahoma. It could be, I think the teams that we were slated against were Oklahoma, West Virginia, or Kansas State, which Tech has all dropped games to this year. And it's a little, it's a little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It makes me a little uneasy to say, uh, to say the least. So I guess then would you say, does Tech, have to win the Big 12 tournament to get a Super Can they do it if they just win, say, two games? Two games, it's it's a toss-up, and you're, and you're leaving it to the selection committee, which I would rather control your own destiny. I would rather Tech just win that third game, and that way, you know, once Tech wins the third game, then they could pretty much say that, you know, we're in. And uh, I just, I would just much rather have control of our destiny than leave it up to the committee. Tech's been burned by the committee before in previous years. And I would just, it makes me feel a lot more, you know, I guess the word I'm looking for is I'm a lot more I have a lot better peace of mind if you know this if we just handle it ourselves, just win the three games and just secure it ourselves. So baseball's an interesting sport because we have had it's far more common in baseball than it is in any sport, including basketball, where it's open participation to a lot of mid-majors. But for instance, we've seen Coastal Carolina win a national championship and take out tech and TCU in the process. Um, what mid-majors, if Tech were to see them in a regional, and I don't know, I've seen some of the projections and I felt pretty good about them, but is there any mid-major that you wouldn't want to see in a regional that might be a bit under the radar? At this point, I there are a few teams that I wouldn't want to see at all. I don't want anything to do with. Uh, there are some teams that aren't really getting a whole lot of love. Uh, a team right now that I wouldn't want to face that, is really not a mid-major, I would say, but a team that's been playing really good baseball lately 
uh, North Carolina State. They're ranked about 22, 23 in most polls right now, so they probably won't host. But if they if they don't host, they're going to be the top one of the top two seeds. I wouldn't want anything to do with them. I also wouldn't want anything to do with a team out of Charlotte, and it's just Charlotte University. They're one in front of NC State in most polls. They're playing great baseball right now. I wouldn't want anything to do with them at all. Uh, some other people, some other teams that are right on the cusp of hosting that may or may not, but if they don't, they're going to be a top two seed in regionals. A team that Tech has already seen twice this year, and it's that team from Gonzaga. They've only gotten better since we played them. I think they've only lost like five or six games since we've played them in Lubbock. I would not want to see that same Gonzaga team that knows all about Tech already a second time, or I'm sorry, a third or fourth time this year. That team scares the daylights out of me. Yeah, I mean, I think Gonzaga's one I really wouldn't want to play. I think you, for the reasons you stated, I it's not quite like basketball since you're going to face big different pitchers in every game where, you know, in basketball, it really is, despite all the statistics to the contrary, it's hard to beat teams three times. It's hard to beat them twice. Um, the reason why that stat that everybody throws around where it's really not that hard in basketball is because you have to consider a lot of the teams who get swept in basketball are really bad already. So that skews it. But for the good teams of the world, for your top 25 in basketball, it's hard to beat a team twice or three times. In baseball, it's different because of different pitchers, but you've already played them twice. So theoretically, you've only got you know one starter for Tech since we don't really know the situation with Montgomery and Hampton. But you've only really got probably one true starter left that you can throw at them that they haven't seen. And in baseball, I think not so, – it's the same thing like going through the lineup like three times. There aren't many pitchers who can get through the lineup three times without starting to get hit. And um, it, it is a bit concerning that you're going to have to throw guys they've seen. They're familiar with your lineup more so than anybody else. Um, and most importantly, even fresh, it was a tight game. Those were 5-4 wins. Now, I think Tech was pretty much seen to be the better team, and I don't know if Tech takes – you know, I think that was a midweek, so we're not throwing the best arms at them. But the the point remains that they were a good team and already played you tight, and beating them a third time would not be fun. And uh, it's cons- it the worry is you catch you you end up a lower seed and you catch one of those guys who just missed out on hosting a regional as your two because those guys should have hosted, arguably in a lot of circumstances, and they're the ones that are most likely to screw up your regional. But um, we have a little bit of time left with baseball, so we're just gonna we're gonna take a look at um, Bricktown in general. So, Jack, if Tech isn't, I wouldn't consider Tech the favorite to win the tournament. So, who would you consider the odds-on favorite to pick up the win in Norman, or excuse me, in Oklahoma City? You know, your your mind immediately goes to a Texas or TCU squad. Uh, those two finish the top, and even though Tech won both of those series this year. Those are teams that, you know, are without a doubt, probably some of the better teams. Um, another, another squad that I wouldn't overlook oddly enough is a team that came to Lubbock and beat tech not too long ago in a series. And that would be the Baylor bears. I just don't see, I mean, they've been playing great baseball. They did drop a game last night to, OU, 
but that team is good, plays great, sound baseball, uh, plays the fundamentals really well, and they're a good overall team. They had, they graduated 13 seniors this year, so they're experienced. They know what they're doing, and they obviously have Tech's number already. Uh, they took a game against Texas, and I'm pretty sure they took at least one against TCU. I'm not positive on that, so don't don't take that to the bank. But I know they took at least one against Texas and beat Tech in Lubbock in a series, the first series loss for Tech since 2018. So that's nothing to shake a stick at by any means. I'd also look at um, Oklahoma State. You know, Oklahoma State, you always want to give them a fair shake at things. But they've been really shaky this year. They're kind of all over the place. You, they're they don't really know what kind of team they are yet. They've had a they've had a good uh, couple of injuries, so they, you know, you don't really know what team you're getting with them. And so it could be, you know, the team that challenged Tech in a super regional uh, two years ago, or it could be the team that Tech beat two games to one in a series in Lubbock uh, this year with really no, with no trouble. So you don't really know what you're going to get. Oklahoma State's one that I think, Oklahoma State's a funny team because when they came into Lubbock and Tech took that series, um, I think the thought process at the time was Oklahoma State was going to do kind of what they've done historically, which was finished two or three in the Big 12. And they just haven't, been as good this year. Part of that's because Texas is finally looking like a, a top-tier program. They have it in a few years. TCU is finally uh, – or TCU is continuing, I should say, their run of being a top program. Tech is, you know, injuries aside, is still one of the top three teams in the Big 12. So they just kind of got shunted down, which is funny because I think that the Big 12 was really open for them to make a move. Tech was dinged up. TCU doesn't have a Sunday starter. As good as Texas is, they can be they can be inconsistent. Um, and their their strength 100% lies in their starting pitching. So if you can get to those guys and get into their pen a bit and force them to beat you with their bats, they can't always do it. So um, it's a bad year for them to not – for Oklahoma State to not be playing that well. So you you get to pick you know, your, your, your total regional lineup. You're the guy who's deciding it. Who are you throwing? Are you throwing Hampton or are you throwing Montgomery in a theoretical third game? I'm throwing Montgomery. Uh, Montgomery has looked very good lately. I'm really hoping that this uh, this kind of break in the action for him isn't going to stop that, and I'm pretty positive that it won't. I throw Montgomery in that third game. Uh, I, you know, I want to say honestly that I would keep it Monteverde, Dallas, Montgomery, but. A part of me wants to go with Dallas Monteverde Montgomery. Just switch up, switch up Micah and Patrick, and just see if that makes any difference, any luck in that Friday spot. I know, like I said, we're cursed in that Friday spot. It seems, but that would be what I would do. And if the postseason gets where it's too, you know, hectic for these starters, and you know they're losing their touch in the first or second inning, I'm I'm to the pin immediately. This coaching staff has had a little bit of a problem with waiting for too long before they go to the bullpen that cannot happen in the postseason if something someone appears to be struggling i'm out there immediately as the pitching coach and i'm out there talking to them and if 
that doesn't if they don't hear anything that they like, I'm having someone up in the pen ready to go ASAP. Yeah, I think I think you stick with what you do, though I do like the idea of moving Dallas back to Friday. I don't know what it is about the Friday start that's been such a problem, but Dallas has finally feels like he's clicking. It's worth seeing if he can get you through game one. Um, he's right now your strongest arm, and I think winning the first game in regionals and supers is the most important thing to do. You need that little bit of freedom. And I think Monteverdi just – he looks so much more comfortable pitching game two. Maybe neither of these guys can pitch game one. That may be what happens, but it is worth retooling, giving it a shot. And while I liked Hampton today, I do think you stick with Montgomery because especially in that Texas game, until he kind of hit that mental wall, he was basically unhittable. Um, he was phenomenal in that game, and I think that shows his upper end is good enough to get you far. It's just you got to help him behind. you got to be really sound behind him so that he doesn't run into any of those like little, oh, an error shakes up his timing, um, um, you, uh, a wild pitch or a bad call from the ump. Any of that stuff that happens can throw him. But if you're sound behind him and he's playing his best stuff, I think he does give you the best option to win a theoretical game three. This has been one of the most fun podcasts. We got to talk about multiple sports, had a great guest. Thank you all for listening. We are officially part, are going to be officially part of the Sports Blog Nation Network. So please, please, please give a follow to both us and Viva the Matadors. We want to read our stuff. Kendall and Jack put out great pieces. I write sparingly. Um, our buddy Reed could not be here today due to scheduling, but he is a phenomenal writer. Um, this is really just, it's fun to do this with you guys, and I hope you enjoyed our second episode. We're just getting started. We're just getting to the point where I feel like we're vibing. Um, we're going to get better every week. Wreck them, and thank you.